health investor. Welcome to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Joey Thurman. Joey is a health, fitness, and nutrition expert and television contributor slash host. He's the author of the new book, The Minimum Method, The Least You Can Do to Be a Stronger, Healthier, Happier You. Joey was named the best trainer in Chicago by the Chicago Sun-Times in 2015 and NewBeauty.com's top three favorite celebrity trainer. In the episode, Joey discusses the importance of aligning expectations with reality, how to apply the minimum method to supplements, nutrition, and sleep, common misconceptions about cardio and strength training, and more. But before we get to the episode, I want to share one of my favorite resources with you, thrivemarket.com. I don't know about you, but I used to think eating healthy meant I had to spend a lot of time and money at the grocery store until I discovered Thrive Market. Thrive is an online grocery shopping platform that's essentially a mix of Costco, Whole Foods, and Amazon. Since Thrive delivers groceries directly to your door, they're able to cut out all middle people and heavily discount their inventory. When I buy groceries on Thrive versus going to my local supermarket, I save at least $20 per order, and I'm able to fill up my cart from the comfort of my couch. To read my full Thrive Market review, steal my shopping list of over 150 items, and save additional money on your first order, visit thehealthinvestment.com slash thrivemarket or just click through the link in the show notes. All right, it's time to hear from Joey. Enjoy. I'm Brooke Simonson, certified nutrition coach and your host of the Health Investment Podcast. If you're ready to look and feel your best without any confusion, frustration, or stress, you're in the right place. Each week, I interview experts and share no-nonsense, research-backed tips so that you can finally lose weight for good, eat healthy long-term, have the high energy you crave, and feel like a million bucks. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Hi, Joey. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Health Investment Podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. People can't tell, but you're in a closet. It's highly entertaining. <laughs> I'll know if, if you pause for too long, we'll know you're distracted. Take a look at my shoes. Got a hat, few hats right here. You can see all the colors of dresses. Yeah, that's good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's soundproof-ish living near a train. Listeners, social media followers, everybody is aware of the train in my neighborhood because it's egregiously loud. So yeah. Out of necessity, really. Your background, though, people cannot see, is very nice. Yeah, it, it's on point, like me, most of the yeah. time. <laughs> Sometimes the points are way off, but it's okay. We'll try to make some good points today. Man, I don't know how many puns I can do here. <laughs> well, we love puns here, too. So closets, puns, nice yeah. backgrounds, yeah. all of the things. So you okay. bring whatever you have. We'll have lots of pun today. Okay, cool. Great. <laughs> Perfect. I would love if you could start out by telling us a bit about your background. I'm sure people have already heard of you, but what led you to become a fitness trainer and then to write your book, The Minimum Method? 
Yeah. So the minimum method, the least you can do to be a stronger, healthier, happier. You how about that for a subtitle? Uh, so I don't, a lot of things kind of led me in this direction. Um, I played hockey and soccer growing up, soccer through high school, hockey through college. These teeth are real. Um, <laughs> nice. Yeah. And then a senior of college back in 2005, 2006, I realized that I didn't want to go to law school. I changed my major three times and personal training really wasn't a thing back then. Back then, There was no exercise science degrees in every single university. There were some. And if you got a degree, it was kinesiology and you had limited career opportunities from that. You know, maybe you became a gym teacher or you did something else, but there wasn't much there. So I uh, ended up just running into a physiology professor at my university and he was starting a personal training program and then sort of like, yeah, I'll try this. And, you know, got just a liberal studies degree. Like, okay, got a degree. Let's um, jump in my yellow Mustang convertible and interview for a job in Chicago and got a job at Crunch Fitness back in the day. And mm was there for a little bit and jumped around into um, a bigger corporate gym. And I was there for five years or so, started training some local celebrities and then some pretty well-known celebrities and jumped ship on my own and started training bigger celebrities, wrote a book, the first book, 365 Health and Fitness Hacks, and started doing lots of TV and radio and appearances and everything and sort of snowballed uh, from there, from that first book. And today's show picked it up for eight um, episodes and Harry Connick Jr. And I had my own show on Facebook Watch. And um, a lot of things kind of stemmed from that. And then there was like a six-year gap and then COVID happened. And I realized, okay, let's actually go through a publisher for my next book. And Dr. Mm -hmm. Ian Smith is a good friend of mine, seven times New York Times bestselling author, I think. I mean, dude's pretty crazy. He's like, hey, you need to write a book, but go with a publisher this time. And so I came up with this idea of the minimum method um, with a friend of mine, um, Kevin Hosworth. And, um, you know, he kind of helped me think of the idea. He's a marketer. I'm like, okay, good idea. And then got a deal and worked on from there. So it's, um, there you go. I guess that was my clip notes. Yeah. Awesome. I love the idea of your book and the title of it. And I talk about this all the time with clients who, I'm primarily working with on nutrition and weight loss. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm always just saying, you know, let's figure out the bare minimum habits that work for you because you're busy, you know, depending on who it is, kids, job, travel, whatever. I mean, everybody has a lot going on. Uh, and so sometimes I think that idea seems counterintuitive to do the bare minimum. Mm -hmm. But how would you make the case for this that the bare minimum can sometimes or maybe always I won't put words in your mouth, but you yeah. tell me yield better results even than doing the maximum? Yeah, I say minimum effective dose and everything's based off of context. Uh, so for me, my minimum is going to be a little crazy. It's like 20 to 25 sets per body part per week to keep growing, to keep adding muscle tissue. But for somebody who hasn't worked out since high school football, or it's been like 36 weeks-ish looking on the research, the minimum effective dose could be five sets per week per body part if you're trying to add muscle tissue. So you don't really need that much stimulus. Um, little amounts of cardio, movement, because our body is adaptive. We want it to adapt, but not adapt too fast. So people often, they start too much, they go too hard, too fast, whether it's uh, nutrition, um, not sleep. People don't often say, hey, I'm going to get too much sleep. <laughs> um, you know, the week, there's a whole sleep chapter. Uh, whether it's nutrition generally or exercise, they go so hard and they try to outwork a bad diet and people know by now you can't do that or they go. So 
uh, hypocaloric where you're so low in calories that all of a sudden they hit a plat- plateau really fast and you have some metabolic ad- adaptation happening or you just can't do it because you're starving. And I always say with a nutrition plan or diet, everybody's on a diet, by the way, a diet is simply what you eat in a day. Um, with a nutrition plan, you need to date it. You need to love it. You need to embrace it. Something, something that you can stick to for a long time. Because if you can't do that for a long time, you put yourself in whatever, whatever, whatever box, whether it's keto, vegan, cookie diet, which was a thing, um, paleo, whatever. If you can stick with that for a long time, adherence is what is going to get you the results, whether that's hypercaloric, more, more calories, hypocaloric, less calories, or your macro counting, anything like that. So can you adhere? Can you date? And can you marry that diet? Short-term fixes don't really fix much. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you're trying to get on, go to a vacation or something like that, I'm training a movie star, they want to look a certain way for red carpet, we might do some things that are arguably unhealthy, mm-hmm. you know, for their body, for the short term fix. But often people think about the, the short term fix of things and they, and they forget about their long term goals. Right. And that's what you really need to think about. So sometimes minimum effective dose doesn't necessarily mean easy. But it does mean the minimum for you, for your body, and every single body, BODY, is completely different. So I think that minimum, sometimes people think, oh, it's going to be so easy. Well, some things, yes, some things are easy, but some things are hard, and we need to push that envelope just a little bit. Sometimes you need to do the hard things in life to make your life easy. Mm-hmm. And right, a little bit hard versus maybe what they've done in the past of, you mentioned the restrictive diet or going all in in January on fitness So maybe the minimum method feels easier. It's more approachable. But like you said, adherence is critical. That's what you're mostly looking for is adherence and consistency. Yeah. Consistency beats intensity every time. And when you have consistency, then you add the intensity. Mm -hmm. And it's a subtle difference, but it's huge. Right. People don't really think of it that way. Uh, I mean, I don't want to work out for an hour and a half. I don't need to by any means, but I'll, I'll do some exercise snacking where I, you know, 10 or 20 minute workouts here and there. I'll go, I'll go for walks after a workout it helps digestion as a prokinetic helps nutrient bioavailability, just nutrients absorb more, all these different things where it's a minimal, I say conscious movement effort. So think about moving a little bit more or think about what you're doing or add these positive behaviors at a minimum. Adding positive behaviors will often take away the negative ones. Cause once somebody starts moving more or sleeping better, I mean, you can look at the research of sleeping where, you know, people, People that sleep anywhere from six to nine hours a night consistently and consistent sleep is huge. They're storing less body fat. They're regulating their endocrine system, you know, hormones, you know, whether it's testosterone, cortisol, all that sort of stuff, estrogen. Um, they're regulating their endocrine system. They're going to store less body fat. They're going to crave less bad satiating foods that are nutrient devoid. So all of these things at a minimum, adding these little habits first and behavior change over trying to pop a pill for your every ill. And there's a time and place for that. But if you start taking a hundred supplements at once, how do you know which one makes made you feel better? Mm-hmm. 99 of them could be useless. Maybe you're just lacking zinc. Yeah. Maybe you're lacking magnesium, which 70 ish percent of Americans are. It could be that one little thing. So that's my whole point. The minimum method at a minimum, what just add this one thing. Add maybe two things and then slowly do that. And at the end of every single chapter, there's like a checklist, like a buffet. You go through and there's different protocols in there. Oh, maybe I'll do this today. I'll do this for these few weeks and just focus on that and everything else. Like we can live in the gray a little bit here, Brooke. It's okay. We can live in the gray. (laughs) And I like especially the supplement example, because what you might be doing Mm -hmm. if you go the maximum route is 
creating expensive pee essentially yeah. right the it's, one it's very, thing it's very pricey urine yeah yes and so not only a minimum approach for habits but also for your finances like you don't yeah. want to be spending as much money as possible on your nutrition and fitness you want to spend money where it counts Exactly. And, you know, like that's the thing with it's you, whether it's you like uh, people like, oh, what supplements do you recommend? Well, for the most part, I mean, like a multi is generally good. Like if you're having a bunch of iron or something, maybe you're increasing too much iron by having a multivitamin, like a multi, like some sort of just good like fish oil. If you don't have fish oil, you, you can have, um, you know, other alternative like vitamin D, like generally okay. And then maybe like a, a zinc and magnesium, like that's generally, and then creatine. I think everybody should take creatine, whether they're working out or not. There's so many mm. good studies of creatine, especially for mm. cognition and, and, and brain support. And like, you're not going to be huge, you know, by taking creatine. Like for, for that, like I can comfortably recommend most of those, you know, for most individuals. But, you know, when you're starting to look at all these other things and whether it's peptide therapy and, and these different like crazy supplements and adaptogens and everything, like it's, it gets to be very, very expensive and people think like oh let me just pop this first and like oh eating healthy is expensive i mean is it mm -hmm. really i mean or, or is it just hard for you is it too hard for you to figure that out because most people only have like the same like five to seven meals you know mm -hmm. consistently mm -hmm. you think about that right. so like you can make it more economical it is sad in certain areas of food deserts that like the crap food is much less expensive and available. I totally get that. Um, and I'm not blind to that. But for the most part, it just takes a little bit of conscious, conscious effort. And that's the point when your brain starts straining. Like, oh my God, this is new to me. Like, this is good though. That increases your neuroplasticity. If you lean into that, that, that hard a little bit, it'll change your brain. And then once you start doing something, then it feels better and better because anxiety lives in the future. Depression lives in the past. So you think about that. I was always anxious about something new or a new event or a new diet or new protocol. But once you start doing it, that anxiety starts to subside and it becomes easier. So at a minimum, let's just pick these little habits first and these behavior changes and not worry about like pulling some, you know, reality TV show and raiding your refrigerator and throwing all the food away and whatever. Like most people know probably what they shouldn't eat for the most part. You know, like we can get into the weeds about different, you know, nutrition protocols and what you should and shouldn't eat. But like for the most part, like it, it is relatively simple. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also think it's really important that you talk about putting your goals, kind of leading with your goals mm -hmm. and then figuring out what's the bare minimum. Like where do I start to reach that goal and then slowly ramping it up, focusing on adherence and consistency. But Often, and I'm sure you've seen this as well, what someone's goal is may not align with their reality in terms of what they're willing to put forth in terms of consistency. So I just literally hopped off a call in my group coaching program where we were talking about this. And if somebody comes to me and says, okay, I want to lose 12 pounds in 12 weeks. So that could be doable, right? A pound per week, not something crazy, but the adherence to get there, if you're cutting back on 500-ish calories a day, I mean, that staying adherent to that, that might be pretty challenging for some mm -hmm. people. So maybe more of a like 250 to 300 calorie deficit a day and pulling back to a goal of maybe six pounds in 12 weeks would be a better idea and just really you know, getting very realistic about your goal and how much effort and how disciplined you're willing to be it, in terms of reaching that. Uh, can you talk a little bit to that? Have you seen misaligned kind of expectations and reality? All the time. 
Okay. Every day. Uh, <laughs> so it's not yeah, just me. <laughs> yeah, no, every single day. And that's the thing. Like if, if, if you're setting yourself up for failure ahead of time, you're always going to fail. Mm-hmm. So let's say, you know, six pounds in six weeks or whatever it is, right? Like if you're obese, no problem, right? Should be pretty easy. But if, if you're, those are your last six pounds to lose, wow, you got to be so on point with everything. And by the way, let's say fat loss instead of mm-hmm. weight loss. Right. People are always like, what, what we need, we need to change our language too. I, I want to lose fat because you, I could give you a bunch of diuretics and you could shit your pants out and the scale could go down. Mm-hmm. Is that really what you want? Yeah. You know, you could do that. So people look at the scale and they think like, that's the end all be all. If you even look at overfeeding studies where people overfed protein, a good percentage of that is lean tissue, which could be water, which could be muscle tissue. It's really interesting to look at those studies. So the, the body is unique. So even you, though you gained weight on the scale, you could have actually gained water and muscle tissue from excess protein. Mm-hmm. Um, so people forget about that. So one, I think be aware of your goals and are those realistic and you can't fit train you you can't fit your life into training right so you need to think about training fitting into your life your nutrition fitting into your life mm-hmm. can you do this can you actually measure things correctly that's a huge thing what is 500 calories for most people and if you look look at you know self reported data of what people eat they're way off tremendously off a tablespoon for one person is a different than a tablespoon of another person. You know, 90 calories of peanut butter for me might be 180 calories for somebody else and the same measurement, what they think. Mm-hmm. So you really, unless you're measuring, you know, with the scale and checking it completely, you know, per gram or per ounce, whatever your uh, measurement um, protocol is, you're going to be off regardless. So I, I like the idea for most people. I like people burning the calories as opposed to starving the calories. Mm. So now if you're working out seven days a week and you're like, oh my God, I got to move more. Okay, look, that becomes to the point where you just, you just can't be feasible. And then we need to cut back on generally carbs or fat. And I try to keep protein consistent. Um, so people are really off on that. And I tell people all the time, like, hey, if you want to go out and you want to have your drinks, you want to do everything, fine. But don't complain to me in 12 weeks that you don't have your beach body. Mm-hmm. because you still wanted to do this. So are you willing to sacrifice that for 12 weeks for that given amount of time? Right. I've got a friend slash client off and on for years who's the same thing. He's like, oh, I want to have the abs, I want to have this, but you're going out three, four nights a week. Yeah. You know, and you're drinking and, and you're, 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 you're not sleeping consistently because you're sleeping. You, know, you're, you, don't, you don't pass out and fall asleep when you're drinking. You, you literally just don't sleep well. Right. Like they've proven. <laughs> you, you, don't, you don't get your full sleep cycles. So – is little things people aren't realistic and they don't have the self-awareness you know and the honesty to talk to themselves so i say have a thought cycle and think about that replay replay that like a movie you know what does your day look like write that down i I get up at this time i'm stressed out at this time i'm doing a podcast in a closet at this time okay i've got this going on Uh, yeah you picked up on that um you know so you write that down and where, where can you find the time and where did you waste time do you have time to meal prep you don't have time to meal prep do you have the means to get a chef or a delivery meal service if you do amazing great for you do you have time to fit in you know three 10 minute walks a day Oh my God, I don't have 30, I don't have 30 minutes. Well, do you have, do you have 10 minutes, three times a day for Sesame Street math? Mm -hmm. 10 plus 10 plus 10. So like, let's think about this. Can you fit that in there? And if you can't look at your goals and you probably won't get to that point, but this is a race you never want to leave. You want to stay in it. Sometimes we get off course and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And give yourself some grace in that being okay. 
and you can only look like you unless you're a twin. So like, <laughs> like people are like, oh, I want to have your body. You can't. I'm like, you can't. And they look at me like I'm crazy. Yeah. They're like, what? I'm like, no, you can't. I want to have Brad Pitt's abs. You can't. Yeah. <laughs> only Brad Pitt can have those. You know, like we, we, I used to do this shit all the time, you know, as a young 20 something year old trainer, I even apologized for the entire fitness and nutrition industry in the beginning of the book and myself as a younger trainer, like what celebrity do you want to look at? We set, I set them up for failure right away. Mm. You think about that. Yeah. Like it's great to have goals and have a vision board and everything else. And I believe in visualization and, and I talk about MVP in the book where it's meditate, visualize and change your perception in the morning. But if you're visualizing and that dream is unattainable and looking like somebody like it's just not going to happen. You know, like yeah. I, I, I want to look like Hugh Jackman. I'm not six, five, yeah. six, three, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like it, it's, I can't ever look like him. Right. It's just not going to happen. So I can look like my best self. So to completely answer your question and not be a politician is like, <laughs> look, look at your goals, have that th thought cycle, play your day and your life like a movie. And when can you find those commercial breaks? When you, when can you do that? And when you can, when you can give yourself a break in your life and that commercial, that's a good analogy. Um, the first time I use that. So then have that, write that down and then you can start plugging that in and seeing if your goals align with your movie. And the way you're talking about it with that client who, you know, still wants to go out to dinner and is lacking sleep, there is always a cost, right? Mm -hmm. There's a cost and a trade-off, whichever word you want to use. Uh, I think Precision Nutrition, are you familiar with them? Uh -huh. yeah. yeah. They have a great article called The Cost of Getting Lean. And they break this down where you see somebody on social media and like you said, you want the Brad Pitt abs or you want the six pack, but then there's a cost to that. So wanting it is one thing, but then the people who have those bodies, and you even said, if you're training somebody for a movie, their adherence and expectations and reality is going to look totally different from the average person who just wants to shed some weight or fat, let's say, mm -hmm. shed some fat. Good, good. Nice <laughs> job. Feel, See, you're changing your mind, right? Yeah, yeah. Feel like their fittest, healthiest self, whatever that looks like for them. I mean, that's totally different. So I, I think that's a really good thing to bring up that I don't really think anybody's brought up in the way you just did. Of No, and people like, look, walking around with single digit body fat numbers is not healthy. Right. The looking like me, like two weeks out from a photo shoot all the time, is not that healthy. Yeah. My first book, I was you know, tan and, you know, in a wetsuit and oiled up and shredded to the bone. I was 3% body fat. What you don't know is I was having nosebleeds mm. because I was too low in body fat. I had brain fog. It was two weeks out from a competition. Like we need about 10% body fat for our brains to work. Women, if they get 12% or below ish, they stop menstruating. Right. That's not good. Yeah. Like, like when these natural biological processes stop, some biology is telling you, shit, this is not good. Hopefully I can cuss on this podcast. Yeah, you, can, you, can, yeah. you can bleep me out. Um, but like, let's think about that. You know, like, uh, oh, you're snoring. You shouldn't be snoring. Mm -hmm. Like, like all, all these like cues are happening. And, and we, we try to slap this big bandaid on it and just, you know, pop a pill or whatever. Your back hurts every single morning. There's a reason for that. But we don't ever want to stop and look at it and, and think about why is that? Just go to the doctor and get prescribed some pain medicine. Sometimes you need that. I'm not saying you don't. But for the most part, we can stop and think and we can put a linchpin in that and think, okay, how, how can we fix this? How can we do this?
Yeah. Hey there, health investor. I hope you're enjoying the episode. Just popping in here for a quick minute to share an exciting opportunity with you. Outside of hosting this podcast, I work as a nutrition coach specializing in sustainable weight loss. If you've been struggling to lose weight and actually keep it off, I'd love to connect with you in my group or one-on-one coaching program. Unlike restrictive, hard-to-follow diets that only provide short-term results, I help you adopt science-backed habits and an everything-in-moderation mindset so that you can lose weight permanently, feel completely in control of your cravings, have steady energy throughout the day, and stick with healthy habits long-term. To learn more about my coaching programs and apply to work with me, visit thehealthinvestment.com or follow me on Instagram at thehealthinvestment. Now, back to the episode. You've been in this world for so long and are so seasoned in a great way. You've experienced a lot. I would love to hear... What do you think are currently some of the prevailing myths that are surrounding nutrition specifically? Yeah, I mean, carbs Mm. still for some reason. I was training a movie star um, show last week. So when people listen to this, it'll be a couple months ago. But anyways, um, I was training this movie star, went in, he's like, I I got a photo shoot tomorrow. And it's the first time I ever trained him. And I was was in LA, West Hollywood to be um, precise. And went in there and I'm like, okay, uh, well... There's only so much I can do for you in 24 hours, bro. <laughs> like, 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 you got a good base. Here's the thing. I'm like, we need you to sweat more. We need your like skin to be a, a little bit tighter. We, like, go get a tan. Do this. Like, sleep with some saran wrap on your stomach and hemorrhoid cream, which will draw some water out of there. Right? All this weird things, which I'm sitting not saying are healthy. Don't do that. Yeah. Um, but like to look a certain way for a photo shoot. And he said he hadn't eaten for three days. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> okay. And he's like, how oh, should you do cardio in the morning? Dude, like, dude, you're not going to burn any extra fat just doing cardio in the morning. You're just going to wipe yourself out because you have no food in you. I said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to have like a meal after this workout and have like a cup or two of white rice or white potato. And it looked like his head was going to blow up. <laughs> carbs? Yeah, bro. Carbs. I don't really say bro that often. I guess when I'm on a podcast, I do. Uh, yes, Carbs. I'm like, and he's like, why? I said, do you want me to explain to you the scientific reason or do you just want me to t- tell you what's going to do? He's like, oh, both. I'm like, well, there's a GLUT4 transporter within the muscle cell. It opens up and your, and your body's more insulin uh, sensitive. So it's going to intake all those carbohydrates. It's going to swell up your muscle cell in a good way and make you look bigger and fuller for your shoot. Mm-hmm. The carbs will help you look better. He's like, oh, okay. He's like, I was just going to have a big salad. And I'm like, don't have a salad. Yeah. He's like, what? I thought salad was bad. I'm like, I didn't say salad was bad. Listen to what I'm saying for these 24 hours. You've had no food in your body for three days and you're going to have a ton of fiber. <laughs> what, what happens when you have, you know what I mean? So it's harder to digest. So I'm like, let's focus on these 24 hours. So carbohydrates still, there's a time and a place for them. I don't like saying there's good, good carbs and bad carbs. Everybody knows like highly ultra processed foods, sugars, sweets, candies, donuts, those sort of things you probably shouldn't have. Like they're, they're, they're highly palatable and there's not a lot of nutrient density in there, but every now and then you can have it. Okay. But for people that just, the, the carbs, like what help, 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 we don't know that much still about the microbiome, but we need fiber. Right. We need prebiotics. If you're taking those expensive probiotics, you know what they feed off of? Fiber. And there's studies showing that probiotics are much more beneficial by having fiber. What has fiber? Carbs. Yeah. Fruit. Vegetables. Rice. Yes, you can have white rice too. It's easier to digest, right? Or right. Potatoes. And you have a potato. It's good for you. What matters the most for your overall weight 
is calories, like thermodynamics still matters, how you look is macronutrients, and how you feel is micronutrients, vitamins and minerals. So yes, you can look great like eating cookies for a few weeks. If you're low on calories, you're eventually going to feel like crap because you're lacking those micronutrients. You're lacking the protein, right? So really people get messed up on that. The whole like fasting, I think there's a time and place for that too. But like, if you want to have breakfast, it's cool, dude. Like fasting isn't magical. Fast, fasting, you know, is a tool. It's not a diet. Mm-hmm. What matters most is your calories. Now, there might be a time and place for like reverse dieting and, you know, slowly going back into it. If you're having like too low calories for a while and it's slowly going up or a diet or stuff like that. But most people, like we don't need to do that. We just need to focus on like what we're intaking and switch the macronutrient profile. So pe- people listening probably know about carbs, proteins, and fats, right? Mm-hmm. If you look at alcohol, it's kind of like a fourth macronutrient, um, which sometimes we need to include. Yeah. So I think, yeah, so the, the whole carb thing, the whole like anti-nutrient crap, whatever, like it's okay. Like beans are not going to kill you. Yeah. Like you cook them in a pressure cooker. Like so somebody has some autoimmune things, like there's some different stuff, right? Um. I think those things really drive me crazy. Absolutely the most is like the whole carbohydrate thing. So the bare minimum method then applied to nutrition, would you say we're focusing on calories? Like you said, getting enough protein, getting enough fiber, Yes. eating the rainbow, just like the bang for your buck, low hanging fruit stuff that is going to make the biggest difference. Yeah. For the most part. I mean, if you look at all these that you look at Mediterranean diet, which is one of the most studied diets in the world. Mm-hmm. Like that is they're having they're having a lot of vegetables, they're having a lot of fruit, they're having a decent amount of actual, you know, protein, especially if you're working out, like you you need that. You're gonna your kidneys gonna be fine, promise you. Um, like that's still the myth there too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you'd be completely fine and people like and people still like get their levels checked. Like my my creatinine levels were high. Did you work out the day before? Yeah. Okay, well that's excreted when you're working out and you have a hard workout. I was like, so like Doctors also kind of miss that. We don't need to get into that. Um, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, yes, yeah, like you you eat the foods that, you know, like nature's candy is fruit. Yeah. Amazing for you. Do you want to go crazy on it and have probably 12 bananas a day? No, you're not a monkey. Okay. Like, like, but yeah, I'd rather you have 12 bananas than, you know, 12 candy bars. Yeah. Sure. Like you're, you're still getting that. And like, just cause like, you know, the fructose and sugar is completely different because it's wrapped and bound with fiber. You're going to be okay. The whole carbohydrate insulin model is crap. Yeah. Completely debunked. Like the insulin spikes a little bit. Spikes with protein. Right. Like that, that's all completely debunked. When when protein is equated and you're looking at that, like, no, you're going to be completely fine. Nobody ever like got fat from eating fruit. I'm right. sorry. Just, just <laughs> I, 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 have, I haven't seen it happen. I don't know if you, you have, no, but I haven't no. seen it happen. No. Like kale and kale and uh, bananas. Worst thing you can eat in the world. Yeah. Um, no, but so whatever your protein source is, like if, if you if your ethical reasons about like not having animal protein, by all means, I will never tell you not to like, but like having some sort of protein, if you're completely vegan, then yes, you need to have a wide array of, you know, proteins. So you're getting your all, all of your essential amino acids. But if you're eating just a wide array of foods and you're having your beans, legumes, your nuts, your seeds, you're, you're probably, you're probably going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Right. What about myths surrounding cardio? I would love to hear your take on this one. Yeah, well, cardio. So, <laughs> yeah, um, cardio. I don't. I don't know why. Like, the, it's it's funny. If you were making you know hundreds of millions of dollars on something, would you tell them not to do it? Like the treadmill companies and those cardio companies. Man, they're making tons of money, and they yeah. eventually become clothing racks because <laughs> you 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 don't like cardio. There, it helps your cardiovascular system. But I always tell people this: 
do you stop breathing when you lift weights? Mm. You don't, right? Like the answer is no, I don't stop breathing. It's I, I breathe hard. There yeah. are cardiovascular benefits from lifting weights. So cardio, you don't have to have cardio. Yes, you can do some low-level cardio or zone two cardio. We're just kind of like getting a little bit out of breath. That's a good thing. But you don't have to like spend hours in the gym. I always say if you look like a large pear and you just do cardio to lose weight and fat, you're going to look like a smaller pear. Mm -hmm. But your shape is going to stay the same. If you start resistance training, which can be weights or bands or body weight or kettlebells, anything like that, then you're going to change your shape. You're going to change your musculoskeletal system. So throw the cardio in there, sure. But if, you've, if you only have one day to work out, lift weights. Mm. You only have two days to work out, lift weights. If you only have three days to work out, lift weights. You have a fourth day, maybe throw some cardio in or some intervals or something. Now, if you're training for a sport, completely different. You know, but for the most part, people with like brisk walking or walking after a meal, that low-level cardio is going to be enough movement for them. And especially if they're lifting and doing resistance training with intent and yeah. they're going at it hard, they're doing some sort of circuit training. If you're just trying to get like meathead strong, one to five reps, lift, five-minute breather, one, you're like, sure, like that's different. Then you need an hour, hour and a half to work out. But for most people doing some sort of circuit training with some intent and actual training and thought process behind it, not just an entertainment class, like a lot of these timer classes are and stuff with these bright lights and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's a, that's a, it's a good workout, but you're not really training. It will have carryover benefits for a lot of different energy systems. Um, but like if you're doing 35, 40 reps, you're doing cardio. Uh -huh. Yeah. Because you're, and it's boring. My God, how boring is that? Yeah. Um, so that's why when you look like adding muscle tissue and stuff, there's a wide range. You can add muscle tissue at five reps. You can add muscle tissue at 30 reps, but you need roughly those five stimulatory hard reps to induce a response in the tissue itself. Mm -hmm. So that's why like eight to 12, just kind of like that sweet spot. Cause you know, eight to 12 reps doesn't take a long time, but you can get a nice pump if you will. Um, but you can do 30, but those that rep 25 through 30 better be pretty hard. Right. I think also speaking of the bare minimum, I know for myself, and I think a lot of women feel this and maybe still do, that I used to just kill myself on the elliptical mm -hmm. 45 to 60 minutes at a Most time. useless machine in the world. I'm I, sorry. Uh, I was a waste of my life. I mean, for pretty much all of my 20s, I was living in New York City, had a gym down the street. I would go to the gym for about an hour, six days a week, let's say. And looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, talk about not doing the bare minimum. You just said if you have three days that you can do strength training, I now have better results working out strength training three days and walking every day than I did busting my ass on the elliptical six days a week for an hour at a time. It's just insane to me that if I just knew that, I'm like so annoyed at myself. Right. I mean, I, there was no way of knowing. And I thought I knew. I thought I was doing the right thing. And sure, it was good for my cardiovascular health. Mm -hmm. But in terms of my physique, I wasn't getting the results I wanted. And I think it's great what you said. If you're a pair, you're just going <laughs> to shrink to a smaller pair. Yeah. And yeah, I mean... Strength training, so, I think, is just like the secret, it, or maybe it's, it's not. It's no, well, it, it, it's it's still like it's this kind of thing where people are still are still afraid of it a little bit. I mean, the elliptical. They looked at studies, and the average elliptical, if you're looking at the calories on those machines, which by the way, just don't. I would put a towel over it and just focus on how hard it is. If you're doing whether you're doing a row machine, which is amazing by the way, uh, a row machine, elliptical, stair step, or anything like that, put a towel over the calories. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about that because it doesn't know your metabolic rate. It doesn't know like you know it. it if you're burning fat, it doesn't know that. 
but the elliptical is off by 130 calories average in 30 minutes using that. Wow. So if you're looking at the, and the, the watches, by the way, the Fitbits, all that sort of stuff, those are all, also 50 to 90% off of calories. Don't look at that. Look at that for steps. Look at that for movement. Like I want to hit 10,000 steps a day, not including your workout. Then sure, yeah. use that for your movement. Use that for your watch. Use that for your texts, whatever. Um, that sort of stuff is great. But yeah, the the strength training, when I say strength training, that doesn't have to be picking up a weight, like your body's own resistance. At some point, you will have to add some sort of external load because you're getting stronger, which is a good thing. Uh-huh. Like your bones are getting stronger, your, your tissues, your ligaments, everything are getting more resilient. Think about that as building an internal armor that eventually shows as the external. And you look so much better from doing it. So like you are not going to look like a bodybuilder. You're not, ta- you're not, you don't have enough testosterone. You're not take. you're not juicing up. You're, you're not eating enough. It's just literally not going to happen. Right. There's a f- small, small sliver of women that might just have the propensity and the genetics to like gain more muscle tissue than other women. Right. But for the most part, you don't. You're going to be fine. I think it's uh, Dr. Spencer Nadolsky. Are you familiar with him? Yep. He's, yeah, I had yeah. him uh, on my podcast when I was doing that, yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah, he's very sassy. If anybody wants to follow him, I love him. He has all these memes and great information through humor. He loves memes, yeah. He, he he's, loves he's a, memes. He's a meme guy. Memeologist, I think he calls himself. <laughs> uh, but he said essentially being scared that you are going to bulk up and look like a bodybuilder when you're strength training is like being scared to drive your car and think that you're going to turn into a NASCAR driver. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just not, you met, you said a really important piece though of steps in addition to workout. Can mm-hmm. you talk about what non-exercise activity thermogenesis is, which is abbreviated as neat and yes. why boosting that can be so helpful? Yeah. So when we start, I mean, there's something called the uh, energy constrained model of exercise where you literally cannot outwork a bad diet. Like eventually your body can only burn some, so many calories, roughly two and a half times your metabolic rate. So if you're burning 2000 calories a day, let's say, for example, just to maintain your body weight, your normal activity level, maybe 4,500 to 5,000 calories, you could only burn from exercise and your body will naturally slow itself down. They've done numerous studies on that, looked at long duration um, exercise and people like, you know, doing um, these ultra marathons and stuff and event, they burn X amount of calories, you know, first month or so, the exact amount of weeks, uh, elude me, it's in the book. Um, And then eventually their body becomes more adaptive and more efficient. So it's burning less calories because it knows like, Hey, I'm fine. I'm doing this. I'm adapting. Right. So you're, they're not burning that off. So what happens when you become more active often is your neat non-exercise activity thermogenesis will naturally slow down. And basically what is that? Like me, I'm talking with my hands, I'm moving, I'm fidgeting. Like you see people that can always say lean all the time. That's often them just like doing this fidgeting, which is actually burning calories. So if we increase our activities so much to a high level, your need will actually slow down and you're burning less calories than when you're actually working out itself. If you've ever seen a professional athlete walking around during the day, they're actually kind of slow. Why is that? I don't know if they're not consciously being slow, just they're kind of just slowly moving around because their body's on, hey, I've, I've got practice coming up. I've got a game coming up. Let me save this energy. So that's why I like the step goal, not including your workout. Because as that need is naturally going to slow down, you have that conscious effort and that conscious movement and say, oh, I need to hit my 8,000 steps today. Okay, subtract whatever you did for your workout. Okay, and if it's you know 2,000 in your workout, you try to hit that 10,000. You try to hit that every single day so you know that movement is there, whether it's setting a watch or whatever or taking a call and standing up and walking around. 
and checking that movement. Then that'll help you kind of have a nice guide and you're neat. Right. No, that's a great point. I have clients who are big runners and then we have this conversation and then they realize they go for their runs. They consider themselves these really active people, but then they're sedentary for the rest Mm -hmm. of the day. So maybe they got 3000 steps during the run, but then zero, (laughs) I mean, not zero clearly, but let's say a thousand the rest of the day. So their total step count is at 4,000 which wouldn't necessarily point to somebody being like a very active person, even though they identify as a runner. And so, yeah, I think that's just really good point to bring up. Uh, You mentioned sleep earlier. What are your favorite thoughts about sleep? I mean, it's such a huge realm, but I know these blanket recommendations are thrown out. You need seven hours, you need eight hours. People are different. I mean, don't look at screens. Just I'll just throw the word sleep out there and you tell me your thoughts. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, I mean, six to nine hours is kind of when you look at – and it's an average. Remember all these things. Like, look at that, like whether it's uh, cholesterol levels or anything. Like, these are just averages that people look at. So six to nine hours of sleep per night is the recommendation-ish depending on what study you're looking at. But some people need more, some people need less. If you're waking up in the morning and you're ready to go and you're feeling great and you've got energy, you're able to add muscle tissue, you're not adding a bunch of fat, you're not craving a bunch of like foods. If you had like five and a half hours of sleep, you may be okay. My recommendation is consistent sleep times, hmm. bedtime and wake time. So whether you're getting five hours of sleep or nine hours of sleep, seven days a week, try to go to bed and wake up at the same time. There are seven days in a week, people, not just like, oh, let me make up for it on the weekend because generally what happens, people get less sleep Monday through Friday and then all of a sudden they stay up, you know, Friday night and Saturday night and then Sunday don't get as much sleep and then Monday they're tired and it starts over and over again. So the consistent sleep, if you're looking at studies, there was um, a study of college students that gave them less sleep versus seven to nine hours of sleep. The one that got consistent sleep but less had better test scores. Interesting. Because the consistency regulated their circadian rhythm. Circadian rhythm is just your 24-hour cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your melatonin production and your adenosine production kind of work in parallel to make you tired throughout the day. Why caffeine works is when you have caffeine, it kind of blunts the adenosine receptors and then it floods you when the caffeine is off. That's the kind of crash, kind of makes you tired. So consistent sleep, number one, um, is huge. Yes, staying off screens. Um, there's a study that came out. If you're staying off a screen 30 minutes before bed, um, you fell asleep 12 minutes, was it uh, 18 minutes faster, 12 minutes faster. I'm going to get the two numbers wrong, but so 12 minutes faster and you got 18 minutes more of quality deep sleep. Interesting. So extrapolate that. Yeah. Yeah. Every single night of the year. I get it. I mean, sometimes like, I know like often I'm on my phone doing emails, whatever, right beforehand I put on blue light blocking glasses, which can help a little bit, turn off the overhead lights because that mimics the sun, sun rises in your body and, and, and triggers your super chiasmatic nucleus to kind of wake up and say it's daytime. So turn off the overhead lights if possible. If you get those electric candles, you know, that are low level, that's a good thing to do. Staring at the horizon, um, not through a window outside can trigger a little melatonin production. That's a good thing to do as well. So all these little things help turning the thermostat down to around 65 degrees can help your core temperature cool down because your core wants to cool down at night. And also it has good for um, brown adipose fat tissue, which will increase that metabolic rate. So all those things, but consistent sleep and try to sleep in hour and a half cycles. So we sleep in 90 to 110 minute cycles. So think about your sleep time. Maybe you need to actually sleep less. So uh, let's do the math here. So if you're an hour and a half, three hours, four and a half, like six, seven and a half hours, nine and a half hours. That's what you want to sleep in. So you're waking up 
when you're going back to your level one, your stage one sleep, that's your lightest sleep. So if you ever turn over in the middle of the night trying to get comfortable, that's generally when you're in your like stage one, your stage two sleep. So you've probably done this before. Like you've woken up in the middle of the night, you're wide awake, you talk to the alarm, like, oh, I've got to get up at five, but it's 4.30. I've got 30 minutes more sleep, but you're wide awake then. You go back to sleep reset the alarm or hit snooze and you wake up 20, 30 minutes later and you're groggy. Yeah. Like, oh my God, I am so tired because you woke up in that stage three, four. Well, some, there's, some people say there's four stages. Some people say there's five stages. I was taught five stages. So you're in that stage four, that stage five, those sleepers, those deeper um, stages of sleep and you're waking up and you're just disoriented hmm. and it's going to take you longer to get out of that. Yeah. So my preference is try to think about that. So you want to sleep six, seven and a half or nine hours. If you know, like, hey, it takes me about 10 hour, 10 minutes to fall asleep, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, but that's like something that people don't really think about. Yeah. And that's good motivation to get out of bed when your alarm yes. goes off. Because I do yeah. that so I, yeah. too. You want to hit sleep. But if you know <laughs> so many of these things, if you know the why behind it, mm-hmm. and if you know, okay, if I go back to sleep for 30 more minutes, I could feel worse it could be easier to hop up than if you don't know that and you're just like, oh, but 30 more minutes sounds so good. Yeah, that was actually the biggest chapter in my book. I had to cut it down because my publisher only wanted like 80,000 words and the sleep chapter originally was 35,000. Mm. Like, okay, this is a book <laughs> called <laughs> The Minimum Method and it's going to be 500 pages. <laughs> uh, so I hired a private editor. I'm like, you need to go in there and chop stuff because I can't read it because I'm going to say everything needs to stay. Right. Um, but yeah, that is literally the – that's why I put it as like the main – the main chapter. If you're going to read one chapter, you're going to implement these behaviors. This is number one. But it's like, oh, it's exercise. It's diet. It's diet and exercise. No, it's sleep first. Mm, you yeah. regulate your sleep consistently. And that's the best thing I ever did. Like kind of COVID hit. I started regulating my circadian rhythm. And like clockwork, I'm in bed by 10 o'clock and I'm all over the country. All Like I've, I've been home a total of like a week since the book came out. I'm all over. I was in four different time zones in eight days. And I still do the same things. I try to go to bed around the same time in that time zone and then wake up around the same time, get some movement early, get some light in my eyes so my body is ready to go. Yeah, that's that's a great point. Well, I could talk to you for hours and I know that people could listen to you as well, but we're all going to go to your book for that and learn more. That works. Uh, what, one final question I ask each of my guests is, in your opinion, what does it mean to make the health investment? A self-love. Mm-hmm. Um, I think often we forget about that because I say this frequently is, Brooke, you may be the person that takes care of everybody around you. You know, like uh, the, your, your parents or grandparents, anybody. But how can you take care of them if you're not taking care of yourself? Mm-hmm. And there are times when there's like a give and take relationship. There are times when you're going to get less sleep and you've got to take care of a, a sick loved one, something like that. That's going to happen. But you need to stop and think like, okay, what can I do for myself today? Can I get a little extra sleep? Can I do this? Can I have somebody? Can I lean on someone? Can I ask for help? Because the people that are closest in your life, they are willing to help you. And when they find out that you needed help and you didn't ask them, they should get offended because they love you and they care for you. That's when you know someone loves you. Mm. So have your self-love, keep that consistency and um, invest in you. Right. Where can listeners follow and find you and buy your book? Follow, yeah, buy the book helps me, right? Uh, so 
follow Joey Thurman Fit um, on all social media channels. Thurman is spelled like Uma minus the relation or money. Um, on all social channels, I've got a YouTube that's actually Joey Thurman Fitness, joeythurman.com. But if people still go to websites, that I still ha- I have a beautiful website. And the minimal method, the least you can do to be a stronger, healthier, happier you is available. Easiest place on Amazon. My lovely voice, Audible is on there too. Uh, paperback, uh, Kindle. Audible, and then um, you can also get it in lots of Barnes and Noble stores. Um, go on BarnesandNoble.com and type in my name; it'll pop up. And there's other, I think it's Target. Different locations are picking it up, but Amazon is generally the the easiest place for most people. Awesome. What was that like uh, recording the audiobook? It was interesting because I've done so much like TV hosting and podcast and things. Every single word had to be on point. And it was, I recorded at the same studio that Lady Gaga did Art Pop and Coldplay did one of their albums. I'm like, yeah, minimal method. This makes sense. Yeah. You know, it's about the same. Yeah, same, uh, same genre. Same. same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, literally, like, I had to go back and they call it pickups afterwards and some words that maybe I kind of stumbled on or whatever. And apparently quinoa, I say it differently. Huh. So I don't know what, like how you're supposed to pronounce quinoa. So they look up the definitions exactly how to pronounce it. So I said these other words, like there was like GABA, whatever. I can't pronounce these long words. There's some supplements that I list in there. And I'm like, okay, well, that's not how my nutritionist friends will say it. But okay, I'll say it the way you want me to. And I said quinoa like four or five times. They're like, no, it's quinoa. I'm like, yeah, quinoa. I'm not like, quinoa. No, quinoa. I'm like, okay, it's my book. I'm saying quinoa the way I want to say quinoa. So they're going to listen and they say quinoa. Um, so it was entertaining, but it was frustrating as all hell, but I'm glad I did it. Well, now everybody's just going to buy the audiobook so we can hear you say quinoa. Well, buy the hardcover and the audio so you can you listen go. to it because the here, here's a little thing about book sales and publishing industry. Bestseller lists like New York Times and USA Today, all that are based off of hardcover oh, sales. I did not know that. Hardcover or paperback. The Audible, yes, there's a ranking on there. A Kindle, like you can be like a bestseller um, as I was oh. on Amazon for several different categories. But the lists matter most for people buying the actual book. Okay. Well, okay. So buy the actual book. And Kindle and the Audible. Yeah, all perfect. Of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It'll be fine. It's fine. <laughs> the minimum. The, you know, At a minimum, buy them all. The maximum of the minimum. Of it. <laughs> That's the next book, yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so, so much for your time, Joey. It was such a pleasure talking to you, and I look forward to connecting off air. Cheers. Well, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining me here on the Health Investment Podcast. I'm so grateful for each and every one of my listeners. On your way out, remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.